0: To start sometime in the 1991 national Champion, kind of. If it's difficult or it's hard, they'll always work on the part that they're good at.
1: Well, it's it's nice to finally meet you. I know we were, we were trying to do this uh, a while back. I'm 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 Joey Saniti. I'm the I'm the founder of the brand, and then um, you know I, I brought Dylan along uh, a couple of years ago. Now uh, we've been going since 2019, and now we got the drink, so we're we're kind of rolling um but uh yeah i know so you you've met aiden i believe right
0: yes What's i Aiden's met on? uh aiden he came in showed us the drink um yep. told us about you know what you guys are trying to accomplish you know the goals of the program
1: yep have so, you been able to try it yet
0: i did try it yesterday
1: and it was really
0: good you know i thought it was really good um it tasted good it gave me a lot of energy and I was surprised because usually I'm into uh, Rip It. That's my energy drink of okay. choice. Because nine times out of ten, when I have a energy drink, I always defer to taste. And so Rip It is like super sweet. So I like the taste of it. And so I got to the point where I was drinking like in a very unhealthy, like three to four a day. And, <laughs> and so I said, hmm for my lifestyle and for my heart, I should probably <laughs> find something different. Yeah. And, and I actually tried yours on Friday and it was like mid morning before I had to go train some athletes. And I tried it and it gave me a nice subtle energy, you know, build up. I didn't feel like, like Rip It would give me a zero to 60 right now. And then within an hour, I would start feeling that fatigue. Almost yeah. like a um, for lack of a better description, like almost like a, almost like a hangover. Yeah. But yeah. this kept me going. And it was um uh, it was a good taste, because I'm all about taste. And it actually kept me with a nice steady kind of like energy that I was able to use throughout the day.
1: Yeah, so it was good. D die caffeine mallee right there, the infinity that we have in is a slow release caffeine. So that gives you the that long lasting sustained energy, which is the, wow, the goal of why we put it in there but um but yeah so let's uh let's get right into it so pretty much these these interviews what we want to do is we we let the guests pretty much tell their, their their story right so you take it back to the beginning i know you said that you played football so i guess we'll you know we can start there like your your early years and um and then come up to this point now i know we have a lot to talk about with with starting the your your gym and business during covid during the peak of covid which is obviously a very difficult task to do so um, but let's oh take it, God. let's take it back to the beginning. So um, childhood and um, you can, we can lead up to this point. Oh, wow. You guys are going deep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I um, I grew up more with a football
0: background, hmm. even though I grew up, I had scoliosis, which is a bad condition, you know, with my spine. So I couldn't play tackle football growing up. I didn't play football till high school. So, you know, my whole frame of reference in terms of like sports and court culture, when it comes to teams kind of happened like my senior year when I played football. And then what I did was I went on to, um, Grand Valley state. I walked on there. Uh, two years later, I transferred down to the university of Miami, Florida, where I played down there. So, you know, I was down there in 91 and 92 and kind of saw firsthand what, um, team culture was like. You know, I kind of saw from the standpoint of, you know, when highly competitive as athletes get together, the what they do from a standpoint of how they prepare, how they play, how they um mindset, and all those things. And then that's when I kind of got into training and I really realized that for me to be good, for me to be competitive, what I had to do was I had to basically set myself up so I could be successful and I train on my own. So I just started training on my own. I started working out and training on my own. Um, I'm from West Michigan, so I would go back to South Florida, obviously football. And then when I finished at the University of Miami, I was working out for some uh, Canadian football teams because I was gonna go you know, try out for the Toronto Argonauts. Um, yeah. uh, they had a trial in Canada and a couple other teams and I was working out at a park one day and some kids saw me working out, some high school kids. And they said, Hey, can we train with you or can we pay you to train us? And at the time, I was not going down that route at all. You know, I was like on that track of, I want to go be a football player. And so I said, sure. You know, I started working with those athletes and it kind of spun into this thing where, um, I just started working with athletes on a regular basis. And my whole, um, Kind of like the base of what we did was in speed training so i did speed and agility for athletes and this was like in the mid 90s and it just spun into this thing where um i just ended up training all these athletes from like 1996 to today and you know it was just by happenstance that i meet some kids at a park they want to train and i started working with them really liked it and just over the years like meeting different cultures and you know different uh, coaching philosophies and just seeing the evolution of sport like from the early 90s late 80s to now it's like being obviously in two different eras but like just seeing the transformation and really seeing that athletes can change their condition athletes can change like where they are in sports from being kind of like a beginner to being someone who's like a starter just through training. But a big piece of that is the mindset piece. Because if you had told me, you know, I was gonna be a walk-on at University of Miami, you know, when I was younger, I would've been like, I don't know, that seems out there. But I just threw caution, kind of caution to the wind and decided I wanted to be a football player. Now, I will say my years at Miami, I was not that guy. You know, walking on Miami, you know, the bulk of my experience at the University of Miami came like, you know, on green tree practice field. And, you know, that's that legendary practice field where we all practiced mm-hmm. at, And we had, like, the best athletes, like, in the country. You know, those are the best football players in the country. I think our second team was, was probably good enough to go be someone else's first team. So the, wow. the practice sessions were highly competitive. So to this day, that's why I always put a premium on how you practice and how you prepare, because I saw it at a different level. It wasn't like walk through every day, you know. Thought up, it was like legit, like com, you know, a competitive, a highly competitive environment, and that's what we try to create with Alpha.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've been we've been following Alpha for a little while now. You can really tell the the culture that you guys have driven into the the community mm-hmm. there, and it's and it's it's great to see too. Because training, like like you were saying, like training's gotten to a point now where you need every last bit of technology every last bit of knowledge to get the competitive edge in all these sports and it's important to have places like alpha that that actually do that right because there there are a lot of training facilities that they don't have all the new and improved gear they don't have the best trainers like people who have done it so like you for you yourself right like you've already been through it you've already gone through the route of sport and then you've learned like how you can actually get that edge so um that's pretty awesome i i want to talk a little bit more about um your football career, because I think that's an, an interesting route to talk about. So how did, uh, how did it really come about? Right. Like that, was there a point in time where you're like, Hmm, like I can, I can actually, you know, something click where you're like, I can make something of this.
0: Because I'm from Michigan. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So like back in the eighties, everyone, I mean, I was in love with college football to this day. I love college football. And I think back in the eighties, everybody kind of gravitated obviously toward the teams that you would see on a regular basis. Cause we didn't have the advent of like the internet to be able to see all these games all over the country. So what you saw on Saturday afternoon, you see, you know, the regional action, you see Michigan, Michigan state, you know, and, um, every now and then you'd see like, you know, a, a Pac-10 game or, you know, a team from the SEC. And I saw, um, university of miami was playing against florida state and it was on um cbs and it was a saturday afternoon i think i was a sophomore in high school and when i saw them playing football they were playing fast they were playing like with great emotion they were like flying all over the field they had like these great players they had like michael irvin they had benny testiverty and so instantly like i remember that saturday watching them play against florida state like that looks like fun football you know at the time you know the big 10 was a big run heavy-oriented, um, I'm sorry, run heavy-oriented um, conference. So no one was like really throwing that football around and the canes were throwing the football around. So I just gravitated and naturally became the, probably the only person in the Midwest who liked the Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> and so that kind of became the goal. Like, okay, I want to get down. I want to be a walk-on at the University of Miami. And it was interesting because I think when you're younger, you have these goals, I want to go, you know, to play in college. I wanna become this great college football player. I wanna do this, this, and this. And then over time, you see that, you know, your goal kind of evolves over time. You know, I kind of realized that, you know, even being there, I wasn't necessarily gonna be that guy. You know, I wasn't gonna be a person that was gonna be, you know, playing every single Saturday. And for me, it was like, okay, what's life look like beyond? how, you know, you know, how can I take like sport and blend it into my life? And it was such a great experience. And looking back now, I think, obviously, I'm super grateful for, you know, having to go through that process. But looking back now, I don't know if I start something like Alpha, had I not done that, had I not, you know, you know, gone down there and did that, I don't know if I would have started something like Alpha because even when I did the walk-on tryout at University of Miami, I didn't go down there and visit the school. I didn't, you know, go down there and kind of visit it and take a look and then come back home like we do today. I literally bought a one-way ticket, flew down there, did the tryout, and uh, ended up making the squad. And it was interesting because I was talking to uh, Coach Alker was the... um he was in charge of recruiting at the time for like um, a lot of the walk-ons and anyone coming down there. And I remember having a conversation with him on the phone, you know, about like coming down there and trying out. He gave me the information because understand too, this was before the advent of like the internet. So there was no emailing anymore. (laughs) You know, you're literally like on the phone, trying to call somebody, sending a letter, trying to get in contact with a coach. And I didn't have this great background with a lot of years in football because I didn't play. So for me, the trial had to be everything. So, you know, I just kind of called him on the phone and I was like, hey, you know, I'm coming down, blah, blah, blah. He gave me all the information. And football obviously always starts before you um, get the classes. It was that whole month, basically. And I remember having a conversation with him on the phone and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to come down. i want going to uh, trial, you know, for University of Miami football. He said, okay, this is the information you need, blah, blah, blah. And I remember him saying... Well, do you have family down here or anything? I said no. I'm just going to come down. You know, I'll stay in the hotel overnight. Then I'll come to the trial the next morning. And I remember him asking me, "He's like, so what are you going to do if you if you get down here if you don't make the team? Because then you because I was still going to go to school there. Right. He said you'd have the whole month before school started. And I remember saying, and this was probably the most confident or cocky thing I've ever said. I said, "Well, I don't plan on not making it." And it was this long pause on the phone. I was like, crap. I said, I probably just made myself look like, and he responded by saying, you find your way down to University of Miami, and we'll find a place for you. So then at that point I knew, I said, okay, cool. Like I put myself out there being, being like, you know, I don't think I'm not gonna make it. So I packed my stuff with stuff I had. I, um, my mother took me to Detroit, got on a plane, Had a one-way ticket. You could buy a one-way ticket back then. Nowadays you buy a one-way ticket. They're wondering why you're only going one way and you can't really pull that off. But bought a one-way ticket, flew into Miami International Airport, got off. And you know, being from West Michigan, obviously it's a little bit different than South Florida. So you fly into Miami International and it's this huge airport. And it was my first ever plane ride. I'd never flown on a plane before. So I'm doing all this stuff for the first time. And, you know, fly in there and you go to the hotel. You you have to navigate getting to the hotel with a cab because once again, I'm dating myself. There was no Uber or anything like that. You hail a cab and you go to to the um you you go to the hotel and I spent the night in the hotel. The next day you did the tryout. We had to do uh you had fifteen hundred and ten yard dashes and you had roughly 15 seconds to get down, you get 45 seconds to recover, and then you got to run back. And you had 15 of those back to back to back. And then you had bench press, and then they did 40-yard dash, and then a short shuttle. And, you know, I'm from West Michigan, so we don't get that South Florida heat. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is hard. But got through it all, and even before it was over, Coach Auker, who was running the trial, he came up to me and said, hey, um, uh, when we finish here, grab your gear, whatever you got at the hotel, and you're gonna be over with us at the football dorms. Cause at the time they had football dorms, cause back in the eighties, I think more athletes had like, quote unquote athlete pavilions. So you had like a football dorm, and you had all these, right. you know, places set up specifically for like one group of athletes. So like all hockey players would live together, all mm-hmm. football players together. So then he said afterwards, just grab your stuff and come over to the football dorm. So I did that and ended up making the team down there. That's and it was a, it was a great experience. didn't get the opportunity to like, you know, dress, I dress for games and stuff like that. But I didn't get the opportunity to be that guy to get in the games because I was already a tad behind. I'd gone to Grand Valley State two years. And I I was there, you know, on the squad there for two years. And then I transferred to Mm -hmm. University of Miami. So, you know, it wasn't like today, we have this great transfer portal, where you have all these credits and they all you know, it's easier to transfer those things like back In the day i remember thinking at one point before i left to go to miami to transfer i knew i would lose so many credits you know i thought math is math no matter where you go well apparently it's not so (laughs) they were not taking certain math grades. so i'm like so i had to weigh all those things like you know what's more important you know it's more important to stay in grand rapids you know you know in allendale it was a good football team you know a grand valley I, I, i was out there and it was um Coach Beck was a coach at the time, and I think we were the first team to go to the playoffs stand back in 89 in 90, so it was like you weigh, you know, trying to stay there and create a good fit to start playing there, or, you know, take that next step and try to, like, do something bigger, because I had only played, like, senior year in high school. Like, right. you know, if I'm... My parents wouldn't let me play, so I didn't play senior in high school. So that's why when I talk to athletes today, especially the younger athletes, about, like, you playing your sport, that whole youth thing, like, playing, like, youth hockey and youth football and then coming up and then being a high school football player, hockey player, basketball player, and then going to college, I didn't get that. You know, I literally played a year. So all of my coaching experience from, like, coaches, it came from one year high school and then two years at Grand Valley and two years at University of Miami. So by, I think my one, two, three, by my like third or fourth year in football, in organized football, I was down at the University of Miami, you know, winning the 1991 national championship. That's so you, you think about it and at the time you don't really think about that, but looking back on that, I have four sons. If my sons had came to me and said, hey dad, I'm just gonna fly down the LSU trial and walk on. I'd be like, dude, you're out of your mind. That's just a bad plan. I even say it my, it's funny too, cause sometimes I think, I remember doing it and my parents were like, okay. And I remember yeah. thinking, looking back now like, why would you let me like actually go do that, you know? But, but I think my parents, they weren't really sports people. You know, they were more education people. So they didn't really understand that whole, you know, me wanting to be a football player piece. Right. So they didn't really, for them, it was like, yeah, you want to go try out for a football team in Miami and go play there? That's fine. But as long as you're going to school. So, but it's just different. So like my whole frame of reference in football, in sports, and we you know when it comes to alpha, is it's more along that lines of I didn't get like that dad, coaching me as a youth uh, football player, you know. I got, like, you know, firsthand, like, Dennis Erickson, you know, he was my coach. Um, Randy Shannon was our coach. Um, When I was at Grand Valley State, um, Brian Kelly was a defensive coordinator. So being around all of these, like, high-level coaches, you know, that was kind of like my football foundation. And not just the football foundation, but how you are as a player, how you are as an athlete. Like these are the things you do. This is how you do. You have to train. You have to work. You have to do all these things. You have to dial in and practice. You know. And it was at the. It was in the early '90s and late '80s. So concussions, it's a serious thing. But it, and it was serious then. But it was just looked at differently. Yeah. Like back then, you hit your head. You know, you just got your bell run. You're fine. You can go go back in. You know, now we're, we're actually a little bit safer than we were then. But back back then, practice sessions were different, I think, in all sports because it was way more physical. You know, you couldn't just – you weren't just showing up, you know, half shell with um, shoulder pads and shorts and kind of thudding up. You know, practices, I think, were a little bit more intense. And I think that lended itself to athletes in all sports – being a little bit better because things were more like games. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're if you went to, I probably even hockey is probably a little bit of the same. Like back then it was probably a little bit more physical. You could be more physical and it felt more like a game. So I think if you fast forward to now, it's harder sometimes for coaches to replicate some of those things because it's hard to replicate like full speed kickoff and kick return yeah. in practice sessions, right. you know. Without you know smoking a kid, you know <laughs> so those things are just so different, you know so um longer the short of it is, my development and how I became you know a football player was more from the early years of having good coaches in front of me that taught me from the day one. like I told my sons the other day I was like, by the time you guys are you were you're in your fourth year of football. You and if you guys started like I think my son started third grade. You guys were in seventh grade by the time you were in your fourth year of football. By the time I was in my fourth year of football, I was like in the orange bowl, like you know, you know, with teammates like, you know, Dwayne Johnson and Warren Sapp, those guys. So that was my frame of reference. And so sometimes I don't get it with athletes nowadays. When you know, I'll get my athletes one of my um other jobs is I'm director of sports performance at Grand Rapids Christian High School. And you know, I'll get the athletes, they come, and they're very compliant when it comes to training. One of the things is, you know, they'll come down and say, oh, Dixon, I'm so tired today, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my guys, I have to tell them, you are literally if you want to go play in college, and if your goal is to play at that next level, you literally, tomorrow night have to go play against another teenager. And if you're going to go play against another teenager who has no goal of playing in college and if he can physically beat you, this is not for you. You know, you just have to have a different mentality if you want to play at that next level. And I think that carries through to how I train all of our athletes, you know. So I think, like I said earlier, had I not done that and gone through that entire crazy
1: process, I wouldn't be doing this here at Alpha. Right, right, definitely. And so, like, has fitness and because I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that I think you said it was four years, right, to the time that you yeah, did, yeah you started playing. So, was fitness and like the weight room like was that a big advantage for you or like kind of step up to other guys or were you just kind of just like the rest of them? How like well, how, I think that? early on,
0: I I knew. I mean, I, I was I was self aware enough to know that. I wasn't going to go walking in there and all of a sudden being this superstar athlete. So I I think I'm self-aware enough to know that I had to train. So I remember being younger, you know, I would run hills, I would um, get outside and like run sprints, I would lift, I was doing all those things knowing that I was behind, you know, there was never a part of me was just like, oh, I can can play with those guys. Like I talked to some athletes now and we'll talk about Michigan, Michigan State and and it's funny because I'll talk to some of those guys and I'll say, "You think you can go play at Michigan State?" "Oh yeah, I can go play for you, so I can go play at Michigan State." <laughs> I'm like, "No, you can't do that, dude." But I, I think I I am confident that I was self aware enough to know that okay, I'm behind, so I got to lift, I got to run, I you know, this is gonna be tough. So I think that just played into part of the whole process. And and so when I got down there, I didn't feel like I was behind. Um, I I felt like I had great strength levels for where I was at by comparison to other teammates. Because I put I put a premium on that part of it because it's hard by yourself to replicate football. Like, you know, you know, I was a running back. So it's hard to replicate like the demands of like the physicality of that. But it's easier to replicate those things, like the strength part, like in the weight room, like lifting weights and running heels and those kind of things. So I almost like put that at the front of everything and said, okay, If I don't make it, it's not going to be because I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't quick enough, I wasn't fast enough, I wasn't in great shape. It will be because of the football part. And then when I got to the football part, I just really had to invest in, you know, learning, like, the whole process. Because understand, like, four years before, I never... I knew football and wanted to play football, but I wasn't allowed to play football. So the nuances of the game, like, you know, play calling and all that, I had to learn on the fly. Mm -hmm. And it served me well because I actually, after, in life beyond college, it's funny, that's when I started playing. So when I finished at the University of Miami, I did those tryouts for some Canadian teams. I met a coach here in town. And back then, semi-pro football was a it was kind of a big thing. There were a few teams here in the area. So I started playing semi-pro football and I played semi-pro football from the time I was 23, all the way until my last season was 2007.
1: So oh, I just wow. played
0: semi-pro football. And I actually was a, it's funny because I think all those years of prep and like practice sessions and practicing with great teams, it served me well Years later, so I was a better semi-pro football because I had gone through that process, right. you know. And I played later. I played semi-pro into my thirties, and then when you're older, you know, you get smarter about playing, especially when you're playing running back. Yeah, and you're yeah. taking a beating, so you, so you learn, so you become more of a student of the game, and you learn more how to see the field, and your game IQ goes up, and so you understand, okay. If it's a run to the right, I know this lineman, he's not great at outside blocking, so I have to look for the cutback sooner. And so it's almost like your pre snap becomes better because of all those years of experience. Right. So it's like, once again, had I not gone and gone through that whole process in college of like trying to work my way into a rotation or be with those guys and train alongside great players, I don't think I would have. Been very good in semi-pro football and, and you know and been successful there. And that's and it's funny because I spent more years in semi-pro football beyond college than I spent in high school and college combined. And, and, and so it's funny. So so I realized now, even though when I was 15, I wanted to be in Miami Hurricane, I wanted to go play for Jimmy Johnson, I wanted to win the national championship. Those are big goals that I had. But I realized that I had that process was more important for me to go through so that I could go play some pro football and have a great, you know, successful career with that. And spin it into something where I said, you know what, if I can do this and with the resources that I had, because once again, dating myself, there was no internet. We didn't have like these vast resources. Um, my very first training book was um, Eric Dickerson's Secrets to Pro Power. And Eric Dickinson, you guys know who Eric Dickinson was?
1: No, I I don't. He was, oh my
0: God, you got, Eric Dickinson was this sweet running back from um, the 80s. He was like my all-time favorite running back. And he played for um, SMU before they got the death penalty for, you know, that whole recruiting thing. But he was like the man. And he was fast and he was strong. And he was one of the athletes that kind of paved the way for uh, um, training in football. He was all about training so he wrote this great book called secrets of pro power that i have to this day i still have this book and in the book he had all these drills um cutting drills running hills he was taking inner tube tires tying them together making what we would consider today the bungee cords we use today he was making those he had this description of how to take pvc pipe and take like cord and run it through it and make these ladders the ladders we have today yeah, so yeah. he was making all this stuff and it's funny to look at the book now realize how far ahead he was yeah. you know of his time so that was the book that was my frame of reference that i would use and even i've gone to coaches clinics before and talked to coaches and brought that book and said as many things that we have had that have evolved in sports this book is from 1988-87 and we're in he was ahead of his time so all these training tools and this training knowledge it's all the same you know it's all the same stuff i think we've evolved a little bit differently but it's all the same stuff now i i have a few tools here like Vertimaxes. um we have like digital timers and those kind of things that help you know increase the process of training and you know they you know they it's an added benefit because it's kind of like a cool perk. Like we have a timer that you wear on your wrist. So if I'm timing when you guys in 10-yard dash, I set an iPad up, you push a button, it beeps, and you run a 10-yard dash, and I can look at the iPad. And then we also have this little clip we put on your shoe. And then you just jump up as high as you can come down and I look at the iPad. It tells me how high you jump. Those are great perks to have that
1: we can add to the training. But at the end of the day, it's all the same stuff. Yeah, you know? it's not like the foundation has changed over time. Like no, foundation stayed all. the same. It's more like the technology yes. advances just helped get almost like 100%. get there quicker, almost, right? Like um, 100%. I feel like that's one because I was gonna ask you next, right? Like you've you've experienced both, right? You were a college athlete, now you're training college athletes. What have you noticed? I guess since you just pretty much said that um foundation's the same, the technology's just changed. What do you think from the player's point of view? mindset wise training wise what has changed is there like do you think that people are working harder today than they were back then or do you think it's vice versa like i'm interested to hear that well
0: well i always say and not that your generation doesn't work hard. And your generation, the twenties. I think I think you work hard, but I think it's all relative. I think because like I said earlier, we've had to change our mindset and change a lot of things that we do. Like concussion protocols are a big thing now. Now being so physical in practice, we can't just, you know, smoke each other in practice sessions. So we've had to change how we, you know, coach practice sessions and how physical we are in practice sessions. So I think athletes have to go the extra mile of doing a lot more stuff to be game ready. And I think sometimes it can lend itself to athletes think they're working hard, but they're not working as hard as they, they actually could be. And that's the common I have with a lot of athletes. And then with a lot of my athletes, I tell them the athletes that work the hardest, the athletes that I get that work the hardest, that put the time in, that put the work in, that do the extra stuff that aren't just compliant. Just show up when they're supposed to. The athletes that put the extra work in are the athletes that are successful. A great example of that is Xavier Tillman. I met him at, um, I was at Granville Christian and he was at Granville Christian. He came in you know, as a 10th grader. And I tell people to this day, Xavier is the same person now um, as an NBA player as he was as a high schooler. Xavier always worked hard, he always did the extra. He was always there. He was always, you know, not just compliant, but he was above and beyond. And he was always working to get better, you know. And now, you know, he lives, he's playing for the Memphis Grizzlies, you know. He's having a good career with them. And he'll come back, you know, and every now and then we'll work. And together when he comes back to Alpha and we'll talk. And the bulk of our conversation has to do with me kind of picking his brain about that whole mindset thing. Like, what are guys like at that next level? Like, now that you're there in the NBA, what are those guys like? You know, what are the more successful guys like? You know, what's something that you would tell, like, younger athletes? And he's been good about, like, we've done some class sessions where we'll put him on Zoom. And he's been good about, like, talking to some of our kids and basically saying, if you want to – forget about the NBA. If you want to be that next-level athlete, if you want to really, really be successful – you're gonna do everything you can to be successful, but you're gonna realize that your talent is not enough. It's probably millions of kids nationwide that can shoot free throws, that have great yeah. moves, but the ones that who survive and make it through are the stronger athletes. You know, the ones who who are strong, who work hard, but who are also you know mentally tough. And mentally tough isn't just a rah rah thing. It's being able to get chewed out by your coach in front of everybody and just black. I got your coach and move on and not start kicking the can. And that's what we struggle with today. You know, it, it's hard to coach kids hard now. Yep. And even with alpha, the way we, I set alpha up so that when you come in here and train, we'll coach you. Okay. As you go from one session to the next, as you go from one station to the next. But our whole thing is like, we're building in intrinsic motivation. So this is, we designed it purposely. So you fail so it's hard, so it's something you have to get through. Because part of that mindset is being able to complete something that's hard. And I think today's athletes, they kind of, if it's difficult or it's hard, they'll always work on the part that they're good at. You know, Some hockey players, you've seen the guys that they're great at shooting, they'll go out there and work on shooting over and over again, even though they may not be great at defending or they may not be great at an area that would make them better because it makes them uncomfortable to have to go show, you know, I'm not good at this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to work on the easy, the hard, the the good part of my game. You know, you have to work on the hard part of your game. So I think that's what I've seen from Xavier, um, Dwayne Washington. He's another good example. He plays for the Phoenix Suns. He was the same way when I had him in high school. All these great athletes, you know, the one thing they have in common is the mental ability to dial in, and do it when they don't feel like doing it. Like they have days when they wake up and it's summer and it's hot outside and I gotta go to Alpha workout today. And instead of just taking that day off, then you think, what's one day? It's not gonna make a difference. They come in and do it when it's hard.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and on, so you made you made a good point there. And I think one of the biggest things in today's day and age is like that, that comfort factor. Like everything around us is built for comfort, like everything's yes. a convenience Riverside. factor. Every you know, it, it gets it gets hot inside. We turn the AC on, right? Oh it, my god! god. It's, it's all these all these things around us are all just to make us feel comfortable. We don't we don't want to feel this comfort. Like that's that's just how humans are nowadays. And you and when you mentioned that book about I forget who the guy was that you said, um, the book that you read about the he made his own ladders, his own bands oh, and stuff like that, right? And right. I think that in today's day and age, the athletes that. Are coming up there's so much access and convenience to all these oh. advances right like everybody's got access to it so it makes it that much harder to separate yourself and be the best guy right whereas right. In back in the day all you had to do is be a little uncomfortable make your own things make your own ladders make yeah. your own bands and you're going to be better than that guy next to you so i think just from that standpoint like it's it's um it's different now you know um oh, but then that that's like where that mindset comes in right which is what a lot of people don't have nowadays is the mental toughness to to actually do the extra hours or do the things they don't want to do because they they have the technology they have everything's at the tips of our fingers right like any any given day we have it right there It's just a matter of whether you want to use it or not so and and
0: i think that's a big thing because you know
1: with the advent of technology
0: in the internet it makes it so that today if you wanted to go out and find out how can i get faster I want to get a little bit faster. This coach said, I'm slow. You can pick your phone up and find ways to get faster. And I've told people before, if humans, if some humans, some athletes, were a little bit more intrinsically motivated, they would put me out of business because they would have the technology at their fingertips and I'm just going to go research and do blah, blah, blah and find out how to do it and go do it. But a lot of athletes, they'll do the research, find out how to do it, and either they won't do it at game speed or they'll do it a couple times, but they don't understand that you have to have complete buy-in to get better and do something you're not uncomfortable, do something that makes you uncomfortable, you know? And I think that's why, even though the advances in technology are better and there's more um, on the internet, there's more tools, more of those kind of things, because I think Back in the day, we may have been a little bit more intrinsically motivated. If you are taken that technology, today's technology, and put it back in uh, back in oh the day, you would have yeah. seen incredible athletes. You would have seen Walter Payton wrestling for like 3,000 yards in the season. Yeah. You would have seen that kind of thing. Yeah. But because I think the technology sometimes, you know, and the information being out there, it's so accessible. It makes you feel like, oh, well, I'm just I need to be faster. I score the internet and find him, right. but the other part of it is, and that's I think kind of like the fight right now. I hate saying fight, kind of like the debate right now, in my world of like strength and conditioning. You get all these coaches. It's a debate between what's good training, what's bad training. You know, like you know, one of my competitors, I won't mention my era. They they don't like the fact that. We use technology. We use technology. They call it gadgets and gizmos. And I I tell kids all the time, you walk into Alpha, we have kettlebells, we have weights. You walk into any place, anywhere, they have all that stuff. It's not, and it's not the gizmos and and little special tools that make you better, but it enhances the experience of what you're doing to help you get better. That's what it is. It's not the gizmos and gadgets. So I do believe that Everything has its place and its space in terms of what you use. But the debate we have right now in our space is between like what's good, what's considered good training, what's bad training. Like I turn on the Internet and I've seen ladder drills with um, uh, athletes and coaches teaching ladder drills. And I look at some of these drills and I see, you know, they're stepping through ladders, they're spinning and doing all this other stuff. And I'll say to myself, you'll never do that in the game. You, there'll never be a game situation where you're moving your feet and you're spinning around and then you're going here and here. Now, you'll move in certain ways in sport where you have to change direction, you have to plan, you have to rotate and do that. But if what you do in training sessions isn't applicable to your sport, it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. And so – and I've even had kids that I've had going through ladder drills and say, "Oh, can we do this ladder drill? And then they'll sample it. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) I said, no, we're not doing that. Because – and I've even jokingly said to some kids sometimes, stop looking at the internet because that's not real. Because if that was so real – you know, in terms of like a ladder drill where someone's taking one foot, stepping in, then they're spinning, then they're going to the other side. And doing, if that was so real, everybody would be doing that. That's not what makes you better. It's efficient movement, like how you move through a ladder. And I've even had people come on and say, well, ladder drills aren't good for training. You know, you shouldn't use ladders. Well, I think you can use everything in positive way you can use things in positive ways and you can use them in negative ways, you know. So I think that's the fight in our space a little bit is about like who is actually training and what training is good, what training is bad.
1: And and I honestly I think that's one of the biggest flaws in technology nowadays. And that's not, not even just sports, right? Like we see it in oh my the political climate too from media standpoint, right? Oh what's, yeah. what's the truth? Nobody knows the yeah. truth. You know what oh. I mean? Like it's like you look at you look at a an article or something like that. It's like okay you know, and that, this is the problem, which is like splitting up the sides. And it's the same thing in the fitness industry, right? Like you, you oh, have 100%. trainers that are putting all this stuff out on the media and going back to what you were saying, like, yeah, you can look up, um, how am I going to improve my speed, but you might be looking at an article that does the exact opposite. You know what I mean? So you don't, 100%. you never really
0: know, you know, hundred percent. And, and I, and I think that's the space where we're at too, as a society, I think you hit it dead on, you know, we're more likely to gravitate when A a coach basically described it like this. He said, as athletes, you're either competitive or you're compliant. If you're competitive, you go above and beyond. You go to practice sessions, you go lift with your team, and then you go do the extra. That's competitive. Compliant is you're on time, you come to practice, you do what you're supposed to do in practice, you lift with your team, and then you're done. The bare minimum. Yes. And it's like not wanting to be uncomfortable. And we tend to gravitate toward things that kind of confirm what makes us feel good so i see that like in us today like you're dead right like in terms of like the climate we're in we're more likely to navigate toward articles and information that confirms what we already what makes us feel better okay you see i'm right because of blah 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 but we don't want to have the conversation and say hmm maybe i'm wrong about x y and z maybe the other person or maybe the other person just has a different point of view than i do and it's okay that i don't agree with that person you know what i'm saying it's okay that i think that ladders are good i think that technology is good and it's okay that you don't buy into the technology but don't demonize it for everybody else you know i think that's just the space that we have to get into um a good friend of mine she said it's the difference between there's um agreement and then you know there's alignment you know we don't have to agree on everything but we should be aligned in terms of the best direction so we should all be all of us trainers all of us players we don't have to agree on every training facility every every energy drink we don't need to agree on that but our goal should be to be aligned so we put our athletes in the
1: best position to be successful we should all be aligned on that absolutely and i and i think like another big thing too is like Okay, giving your opinion, giving your suggestion, like for so for you, for example, like being a, a strength and conditioning coach. So, um, I think when you're explaining ideas to like maybe other strength and conditioning coach, they might not agree right away. But if you give a, a solid explanation as, like, okay, so we we do this drill because of this, and then they're like, oh, okay, yes. you know that that kind of makes sense now. Yes, and then you know, exactly. I think it's just like keeping that open mind. I think it's very important in anything, uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think that that's ultimately what gets. the next level right we've seen it with technology like somebody will come out with uh you know for example apple you know they come out with the first iphone or something then all these other brands they come up with a little bit better one just based on the technology that's involved with this one it's just this constant back and forth that's you know what i mean so um but yeah so i i'd I'd like to talk a little bit about alpha and and starting it because obviously that's a very um difficult task to complete in the economy that we were going through with COVID and, you know, very confusing times in terms of starting businesses, growing a business. So what was that, uh, situation like for you? Like when did you know that you wanted to start alpha and, uh, when did it really come to fruition? It was funny because I think I knew I wanted
0: to start alpha in the (laughs) nineties. So it's like in the nineties, I was like, okay, if I ever did this in-house in some place, I would do it this way. And I think over the years, it just kind of evolved from just doing some speed training with some kids outside to this whole training philosophy where I worked at health clubs and I liked the health club industry. And I said, how do you add performance training to that? And so it just spun into over the years, I had just built out kind of the philosophy in my head. And we just got to a point where, you know, I knew um my wife and i knew a couple good friends of ours and you know they're in business and we were just sitting there talking one day and like you know long-term goals well what i wanted to do because that because i'm director of sports performance at grandparents christian and kind of train all of our athletes and they said well that long term what you want to do I was like no long term my goal is to open the facility so we just started talking and we just kind of said you know why don't we just come together and you know we can create a facility so they kind of came in they, um, they, they're our partners, they bought the building, they outfitted the whole building for us. And my wife and I, we bring the business part of it, like, you know, the physical part of like the equipment and the philosophy mm-hmm. and everything. And at the time we were making it, it was right before COVID. So it was right before COVID. So you're thinking, okay, cool, we'll be good, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden COVID hits. And it was during I think we, I think my partners bought the building in December and then they started outfitting the building in like, you know, it's uh, a, you'll see it. it's a nice big warehouse, but it needed painting and all this other stuff. And so COVID hit, so all the work had to stop. So we went with that period where there's no work. So I remember, and we were all at home and I have four sons at home and I love my sons, but all of us home together all day long, <laughs> oh my gosh. It was it was great, but it's like, it was great. So what I did was I would leave during the day and I would come to Alpha and I would paint. So I painted the lobby, I painted the bathrooms, I painted the recovery sets and upstairs. I just basically kind of jumped in and started doing some of the work that the contractors couldn't do because everyone was at home. So I spent time painting and everything and it was 2020. And then all health clubs had to be closed. So then when we moved forward to the summer, every all of us were, when I say all of us, all of us in fitness, because I knew people who owned F45 and different cross training places. And well, you could work out outside, but you couldn't work out inside. And I had this great facility with all this equipment that was brand new. But we couldn't work out couldn't inside, it, so I couldn't yeah. open it. So, and at the time, Xavier was getting ready for the NBA draft, so he needed a place to work out, and so we could work out outside. So what we would do is, this was Looking back now, this was insane. We would open up the doors, and I went out and bought this carpet from Menard, this outdoor carpet, and we would take stuff outside. So we took dumbbells outside. We took like the assault treadmills. We rolled outside. And we put everything outside. So we would train outside. It was it was the craziest thing because we're outside. And I remember looking inside this facility. I'm like, I have this brand new facility. And I'm 10 feet away. We just had to be outside. So we're 10 feet away from the building. Yeah. It's- Your dream, right?
1: Build this amazing
0: yeah. place and you can't even use it. <laughs> I know. And so so finally, COVID, they said we can go inside and lift. They said we just had to have the restrictions with everybody. But the thing that honestly helped us in the whole COVID part was our philosophy is made where we say we'll only train 15 athletes at a time max, because we only want 15 athletes in the building training. And so when they finally said we could train inside, they said, we had to have restrictions of, you know, X amount of percent of people inside. The other places here in town, whether, you know, the big health clubs, they couldn't survive like this opening up and saying, you could only be at 25% capacity. So a lot of them just stayed closed. They kind of stayed closed and said, we'll open back up because it doesn't make any sense to have our employees come back for 25% because we have these big places. Worked to our benefit because we were able to open up at a time when everybody had to stop but then open back up slowly. So it almost took the playing field and it brought it back down here. So all the other players that were all up here pre-COVID, we started out in COVID, so they had to come back to this level. So then, when stuff started opening back up, we were able to rise along with everybody else. So it was almost like obviously, COVID was not a blessing, but it was almost like having that environment where everybody had to start off at zero and move forward. That's like in, in, um, In your market with the energy drink, if they came out and said, we're going to put a ban on energy drinks and you stop energy drinks, and then they stop production, and then they come back next month and say, okay, you can come back out, but you can only sell so many, it puts you at a great footing because now all of you guys get to build up together, and that gave us the opportunity to, I'm highly competitive. So i'm like cool now we're going to crush everybody we're going to move faster and do more stuff and we created a situation where if you train here in alpha you get an app and you can log everything in the workout here so you can log your sets your reps if you're we have people who are members at different health clubs and they have or they have like stuff at home like weights and stuff at home they could do the workout at home so our philosophy is train here train anywhere so if you're an athlete, you can come here and train, or after school, if you can't make it here, you can go to your weight room. You have our app, you can train. So during the whole COVID time, we actually launched something called Alpha Up. And so we went out to the community and we said, okay, since everyone's at home, we're gonna give you free a free access code. We're gonna build home workouts. They don't require any equipment. So we built this following of like, I think we had 800 people at home doing workouts. And I could go on there and I could see who was doing the workouts. And so every week I would design, like, it would be a six-day-per-week workout. And it would be challenges in it, And they would be free. You could just use the access code. we had all these people, you know, that were doing workouts at home before we opened. So it was almost like having a dedicated audience for a business that had never been open.
1: That's insane. And so yeah. then as we
0: built up toward the opening, we could communicate. I could communicate with everybody and be like, hey we're gonna be opening next week. You guys, thanks for doing Alpha Up. You guys can all have like, you know, a free week, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So when we opened, we didn't we opened with people knowing who we were we opened with people already having done our workouts even though i had never stepped foot in the building
1: yeah and covid so like covid was terrible in a lot of ways don't get me wrong but it was a blessing in a lot of ways especially from a business standpoint so we always talk about like athletes like getting the competitive advantage against another athlete like what are you going to do to separate yourself but businesses were challenged they were challenged to find a new way to adapt and and improve and, and bring in revenue right like especially oh, big shit. business, right? They have employees. They got to supply their families with, with income, right? Yes. Like these business yes. owners, they had to do what you did, right? Like you come up with a way to, to outwork your, your competitors and, and be able to win over the consumer, win over the client, whatever it might be. We saw it with the restaurant industry, right? Like they, they oh couldn't, they, you couldn't go to restaurants. So what did they do? They did deli- like deliveries. You know what I mean? Yes. Like take takeouts and stuff like that. And, um, and you utilizing technology, right? Like just like you guys did with the at-home workouts, and, um, I think, I think from a technology standpoint and from a business standpoint, COVID forced, um, improvement at, at exponential rates, um, amongst businesses, right? Like the, I think they, oh, they got a huge leg up going forward. Cause they, they were like, Oh wow, maybe we weren't doing everything we, we could, you know what yes, I mean? And, exactly. and yeah, it really, really improved that aspect of things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. Cause you know, Dylan and I eventually, our goal is to someday have, have a gym facility just like similar to Alpha. Not nice. in your market over there, but no, <laughs> but uh, still, you know what I mean? I,
0: this is where I'm at in this space.
1: <laughs> I, I don't believe
0: that like when we started Alpha, I, I said everybody is not going to like our training philosophy. Everybody's not going to come here, you know, but – we can help like move the needle in the space you know what i'm saying so i purposely we have like all these community collaborations that we form like i formed them with my friend holly you guys should meet holly she owns uh f45 so we formed a collaboration with them even though they did training we have norma tech recovery here so we formed a collaboration with them we said you know what your members will probably not come over here and train but they'll probably Take advantage of the recovery. You know, we formed um, a collaboration with Extreme Cryo. You know, they do cryo. We can get in the, um, you can get inside this chamber. It's like mm-hmm. minus, like, 35 degrees, it's crazy, dude. And they do that for athletes. So we formed a collaboration with them. We formed a collaboration with Clean Juice, you know. I've reached out to like yoga studios. So for me, like hearing about people start training businesses, I think I'm the opposite. And it's probably bad for business. But I think I'm the opposite. I get excited when people open up training for people because there's so many people out there that could that would take advantage of the resources in training. But like you know, there's not a ton of, like, great training out there. And like right. I said, everybody's not going to come here and train. But everybody should be training, you know, in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. So when I hear about people, especially, like, my athletes, like, starting up, like, training facilities, I think it's fantastic, you know. And it gives us somebody else to compete against. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I just yeah. think it's a great thing, you know. And I, and I think what you're doing it is interesting because I watch what you guys are doing And I'm like, oh my God, that's so smart. You know, you create a product and you create a product that gives you traction, that gives you like brand recognition. And then you create like the facility or the training along with that. Like it's fantastic. I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit off topic, but one of the things that inspired us was there's a um, hockey trainer and his name is Peter Twist. And he's in Canada. And I remember looking up some stuff because we were going to go to Canada and look at one of his facilities. He has a training facility similar to like what I have And his whole niche is hockey players. And he has like um, that dry ice uh, athletes can, uh, that his players can skate on. He has like a, a hockey ramp that they can skate on. It was, it's a fantastic facility. And he was able to bridge that gap and find that niche where I think he trains other athletes. But his primary goal is to work with hockey players. I think it's a fantastic thing because when I saw that, I said, okay, that has to be the goal to to try to work with different athletes and also find your niche, you know, find out your unique you know, niche. Ours is not just athletes, but like competitive athletes, not just athletes, but like competitive adults who are former athletes.
1: Yeah, no. And, and I think it, it also goes back to, what we were talking about earlier about about comfort right i think that's why we're seeing so many people uh try to find these fitness whether it's a facility that they can train at or like ultra marathons like i'm sure back in back in your day when you were in your 20s ultra marathons did you ever hear of an ultra marathon no. back then yeah no. exactly and and the thing is is because and i've been doing i've been reading a lot about why people are starting to do these ultra marathons. And it's because they want it. They're seeking discomfort now. Discomfort, a long time ago, it came to you whether you liked it or not because yeah. you know there were difficult times like even when you think back to like the great depression right like people were going through tough times everybody was yes. was uncomfortable right but now we're in this comfortable time where you have to seek discomfort on your own so it's like a yes. discipline aspect to it where like you have to seek these things you have to train you have to work out you have to push your limits and um and i think like you said you hit it you hit it spot on where like um it's it's awesome to see people create these these fitness regimes and these training facilities and the recovery centers, like all these different things, because you need to stay healthy. If you want to live at yes. like your max capacity your max capability, like you have to be in shape, you got to be healthy. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's awesome. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I, and I do think that, you know,
0: sometimes when we throw our preferences away, it makes it easier. Like when I say preferences, sometimes we judge things as good or bad, you know, it's like, Oh my God, I think, the idea of running an ultra marathon, that sounds awful. <laughs> like yeah, like yeah. doing that, like being that uncomfortable, but, or going to practice that, so I don't feel like practicing today, or like even having to go through something in business, like go through, oh my gosh, you know, we don't have a lot of people coming in, it's a bad time. Throw away those kind of preferences and stop judging things as good and bad, and just accepting it as just, just part of the process, you right. know, as much as we're beyond COVID, guarantee you, Whether it's, you know, pandemic or, you know, financial, something else is going to happen. But that's just part of the process. It doesn't mean we're at the end of the world. Everything is not, you know, end of the world, earth shattering, you know, even in sports, you know, it's just part of the process. Like you see these athletes get injured and oh my God, it's over, my career's over. Well, that's just part of the process, you know. Like, you know, you talk about Jordan being one of the, you know, greatest basketball players of all time. And then I think his second year, I think he tore his ACL. But no one talks about that. But yeah. at the time, it was probably the worst thing ever. But yeah. like Colby, like tearing his Achilles, his career is over. That's just part of the process. We don't embrace that part of the process. Even, you're right, even in business, we think, oh my God, business is bad. We need to change this, evolve
1: this, close doors. No, you have to learn how
0: to navigate through that as part of the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think there's like a time perspective to that too. Like when an athlete gets an injury, it's all they can think about, like my career, like my, yes. I, like everything's all messed up. But when you when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, in your whole career, right, like a Three two three month injury, like, yeah, that's nothing, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> oh nothing. my gosh, yeah, um, it's so, a, it's yeah, and it's funny, it's funny we're, we're talking about that because our uh manufacturing facility that we use down in Georgia, he, we were talking to him, we were on a zoom call, and we were just talking about production, getting prepared for it, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny because we were talking about like the economic times now where it's like, okay, you know, we're coming out with an energy drink, it's like. The economy is not looking so hot right now. Like we're we could be going into a pretty good recession. And he was like, "Yeah, you know, what? we want to know the funny thing. Every single co- company that my business partner and I have started has been during a recession." And he's Isn't like, "Look something? where we are now." And I was Dude, like, "Yeah, I'm telling that's the you, truth. yes,
0: this is a. I mean, it's not like you want to um, you you want to dance in someone else someone else's missteps because you understand yeah. like recession, those things are bad. But it's almost like." You have to start sometime. If you wait for, if you guys wait for the economy to be great to start your drink, if I would have waited till everything all good in the economy to start a business, then I'm always dependent upon everything has to be perfect for this to be yeah. successful. <laughs>
2: And it's not no, going it's to be starting. And, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's just part of the start. It's just part of the whole process. I mean, and things are going to go get really, really, really good. You two are going to make a multi-million-dollar like company. It's going to be great. Then all of a sudden someone's going to come out with something else, or there's going to be something, some other fire you have to put out. Yep. Um, I've just listened to this other, another sidetrack. Cause I'm great at sidetracking people. I'm great <laughs> at sidetracking interviews. I listened to this podcast and it was called how I built this. And um, I'll send you the link. And, it's, yeah, and this guy, he's talking about like all these major companies that um, all these major companies that we know of now that like like Google and all these companies and the startups and like the things they went through as like, quote unquote, normal people, like people coming in and saying, hey, I'll invest in your business. And you're thinking that's the best day of your life. Next thing you know, they're trying to take half your company or like, you know, um, I read this book called Shoe Dog, uh, Phil Knight's oh, book. Oh yeah,
1: yep,
0: I read it, that too. It, it, and, it's, and it's fantastic reading about how he's sitting in his living room thinking, okay, I gotta find a way to get these orders from Japan. So we have to take all of our money out of the bank to go buy shoes from Japan and make sure we sell them. And he's sitting in his living room chair thinking about this, and now he's worth $50 billion. And it's not even about the money part, But it's a part that I think it's that part that as humans, we're all on this human journey and we can relate to that. You you can relate to somebody sitting in their living room like, man, how are we going to pay this? How are we going to do blah, blah, blah? But by seeing someone else go through this, it gives us that example that that's something that can be done. Like we can navigate this, you know.
1: Yeah, and honestly, like, that's, like, one of the main main points of this podcast is, like, I, I think that's one of the biggest flaws in media nowadays is, like, it's always the the great things, right? Like, on the internet, yeah. right? you always see, like, the successes and this, that, and the other thing, and we kind of want to bring light to, like, the journey, like, the yeah. things that these athletes have been through, that these business owners have been through, and it's almost like, I feel like people are hesitant to begin something, whether it's a journey in, in an athletic career or yeah. business, because they're they're, like, oh, my God, there's no way I can reach that but no. really it's it's about like the day to day like yeah you're going to have your highs and lows but i think it's all about the lows right you learn from the oh, lows you, you know so um and, and it's really tough in today's day and age cuz especially like kids that are younger than than dylan and i that are seeing these things and they're like wow like there's no way i can get to that there's no way i can reach that and that's why right. why why we do these interviews cuz if you got a story like yourself with starting Alpha, and it's like, oh, okay, and then you have some listeners that are like, all right, maybe I can can start yeah, something 100%. like this, you know, so that's what it's all yeah. about. And I've told, and even talking to my athletes
0: at um, Grand Rapids, Chris, when I work at, you know, I, I say, you know, you guys have the advantage of technology where, you know, nowadays you could be a young kid, you could come up with this great innovative ideal, some kind of app, and go out and make a million dollars. I mean, yeah. that's the possibility for you guys. So, you know, the possibility because of technology and all these things has increased for you to kind of get to your goals faster. You know, kinda, I mean, you get still gotta navigate it and go through some bumps, but I say with all the tools at your disposal, you have the ability to actually be the greatest generation. But like yeah. you said, mm-hmm. It's gonna take some getting uncomfortable. You know, it's gonna take some work and some time, but you have to use the tools to be able to navigate that. And I think that some of them thinking, okay, I can be the next Facebook guy and start off, I should make a million dollars tomorrow. No, that's not how it works. But it's part of the process of saying we have all these great things at our disposal. We have all these examples of all these people who have done this. I can put my best foot forward to do something. And like I said earlier in the podcast, if your goal is to go play in college and you got you're playing against a sixteen year old who doesn't have that goal, with all the tools you have, you should dominate that sixteen
1: year old. You know, that has to be the goal, you know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely um but yeah i mean we we covered a lot and we've been going for geez yes. hour wow. hour 15 now and it felt like five minutes honestly it like doesn't even i know choosing. it doesn't even feel like there was any starting point yeah we just well,
0: jumped we just like jumped right into yeah, it yeah i
1: know well that's the thing with like conversations like these they're they're super important to have but they also go by too fast like i wish they yes. they felt like a little longer um but i feel like we have a lot more to dissect but we try to keep our episodes to like around like an hour or so just just yeah, from I'm a sure. listener standpoint um but we we definitely get to have you back on again and um but dylan do you do you have any questions for him before i know you didn't really get to, to butt in at all <laughs> no yeah, you're you just okay, taking it in oh yeah <laughs>
2: listening enjoying the conversation hearing your story um i guess one thing i was thinking about so when you went down to miami what were you taking in school? Were you taking some sort of exercise science? Were you taking business? No, what were you studying when you were down there? I,
0: if you were, I, I was not planning on doing this. So I went to – it's funny because I actually went to school because I wanted to be a high school history teacher. I wanted to wow, teach. Okay. And, and then way through, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my life you know, in high school. Or like even wrong teenagers. Ta-da, guess what I'm
2: doing. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: So I switched. So I was going to go into teaching and then I switched it up to business. And then even after I switched up the business, I was like, I wouldn't mind, you know, opening a health club maybe or doing something in fitness. But I wasn't going to be exercise science training, you know, somebody hands on. That was, I didn't think that was going to be my part of my journey.
1: But yeah, well everything happens crazy. for a reason, right? And, oh you know, yeah, here you true. are. So it's true. crazy. Yeah, but. So
0: but I yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on because you know, I think it's like I I'm like you guys. I think it's important to share the story so that other people can hear the story and other people can, you know, can they can relate because I think we all need that story. Like every, I tell athletes all the time, your journey is your story. You get this great opportunity to write this story. And if you don't share with other people, then the story kind of gets lost among the 7 billion other people on the planet. Share the story because then it, you know, inspires other people to like,
1: either move in the directions of their dreams or start moving in the direction. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And like, so, Every episode that we have, like, the first episode is always about, like... The long the journey that they've had from start yes. to, to end and you know we we want to have repeat guests on where we kind of dive more into certain topics and i think you know it would be perfect for you to to eventually you know talk dive more into like the mindset type of thing or oh uh, sure you know different athletes in today's day and age and whatnot because you've experienced it all right like i said like you you played and now you're teaching people who are playing so it's it's uh it's a pretty special position for for you to be in uh from a coaching standpoint so um, but yeah, we, we really appreciate you coming on and, um, no problem, man. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be, be in touch, especially for the, you know, we want to get some sort of alpha underdog type, oh, type man. Combine or something like that. That'd be, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Man. That would yeah, be fantastic. fantastic. You know,
0: so. I think there's some, I think there's some cool stuff that you guys are doing. And, and for me, it's really impressive to see like, like you guys start this journey like right now you know, to be able to like see the need in the market and say, you know what? And it's it's interesting because it's coming from guys that are like competitive athletes and that's where it needs to come from. You know, it doesn't need yeah. to come from someone outside of the market saying, you guys need to do this, this, and this. It needs to come from you guys <laughs> who experience that firsthand. How do we put right. something on the market that can help all of us from the standpoint of our vantage point, like right now?
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely um but yeah so we're you know we're looking forward to the to the you know connection we have with alpha i think you guys are doing very special i mean we've all all of our leadership meetings we've we've mentioned alpha and and how what what a great club that you guys have become an athletic training facility oh, thanks, like man. that's it's it's, it's very it. impressive and it's and it's on, Honestly, it's chilling to know that there there are people out there that are doing things like this because um, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. Like I said, it's hard to navigate through the waters nowadays. And what's right, what's wrong? So, and you guys are definitely on the right track. So I I love to see it, and um, we'll be we'll be in touch very soon. Perfect, man. Sounds good. Thank
0: you for having me on. Sorry about all the technical difficulties. Hey. Sure, my age, like I don't know how
1: to work like the internet. slightly embarrassing but not completely hey that was more on us it's all good yeah it's it's tough to to navigate this stuff but uh but yeah so we'll be in touch very soon and thanks again for coming on we covered so many topics in that Mm. one interview i feel like like we went deep on like a few um pretty like prevalent messages topics whatever you want to kind of contribute them to but like you know we talked about like the comfort discomfort thing which i think is a honestly something that is it's not it's not very like people aren't aware of it yet Mm. it's just in everybody's life like it takes some serious discipline nowadays to like actually force yourself to to grow and like and improve in all these different areas but i found that like probably most interesting about the whole conversation i don't know about you but for sure i feel that this episode in particular there
2: were a lot of little lessons that people can take away like you know like we said we talked about the comfort and discomfort situation. Um, and we talked about just embracing the grind, the differences between training when he was growing up in, you know, the eighties, early nineties versus us, the differences in technology, you know, that's one thing, I guess, you know, we tend to have younger guests on um, that are you know closer in age to us in their early twenties that have like us grown up with technology and, you know, all these tools and uh, gadgets available to them. Um, so it's nice to hear a different perspective of, what it was like, you know, not back then, not to make him sound, you know, super old, but uh, talk about like, you know, before the internet, what it was like growing up training. Um, It was, you know, kind of curious. It it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, when he went down to school, like he he just went down on on a tryout and one way ticket, you know, he was just navigating on its own. Like to think nowadays, you know, when I come down here I can send my parents a text, Hey, you know, at the airport made it all checked in. You know, yeah, that wasn't you couldn't do that back then so it was um not to get sidetracked there but there was a lot of different lessons that people can take away from from this episode
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's also just like like you were talking about like it brings awareness to more of our age group it was like oh okay like we kind of have it made not have it haven't made but like everything's at the tips of our fingers so like how we want to use it the way i see it is like you have two different ways you can go with technology you can use like the discomfort path, which is like utilizing the technology to advance your training, to advance Mm -hmm. like your intelligence, whatever it might be, because those, those tools are out there as well. Like there's plenty of things out there. You can go on your laptop and learn whatever the hell you wanna learn. Uh, You can go on your iPhone, learn whatever you wanna learn or or figure out all these different training things that that can help enhance your performance on or off the field, ice court. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can also use technology to play video games and use social media for hours on end, like all those different things, which is obviously the comfort path. You know yeah, what I comfort. mean?
2: Yeah, it all about making it's all about making everything quicker, easier, less work, yep. less responsibility, you know? And it Absolutely. can be great when it's used in the correct manner.
1: Um yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean he his whole path is discomfort. Like the whole thing was discomfort, right? Like he even said it, you know, he was playing four years of football before, you know, he he won he won a national title. did i did i hear that right yeah that's what he said yeah yeah so i mean even that and then you know just from the underdog mentality standpoint like he didn't play right like he was just Mm -hmm. he was in the shit though every single day like putting in the work like training like that's that's the stuff that goes um you know under the radar like they're not seeing his performance on the field but he's still putting in the work on on you know a daily basis um, and that obviously carried into how he was able to build alpha and actually start it. like starting it during a pandemic, man. Like, you know how many people, probably more than 99% of people would have just packed it in and said, there's no way this is going to happen. Um, and he just freaking went through it. Like he was painting during the day. Like he was building the thing. He was literally building a thing on his own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? COVID, Granted, like he, yeah, he was shut down. Yeah, yeah. Like he had help from other people, but the whole vision from a vision standpoint, like he, he had it all set up and he set up the team right how many times have we talked about like getting the right team on board and um because ultimately you can't do everything on your own and obviously he had people who were there to to uh to help him like his wife and like all you know all these other things and um that all comes into play and you can tell like he's a very like i said before we got on he's a conversationalist he's a very um outgoing person and obviously Mm -hmm. that that's huge for for growing a community like he has with alpha and i I thought that was that was very impressive to to see what he's built thus far and i'm, I'm excited to to be involved with them now you know i think um yeah. there's a lot of benefits on both ends like i think we they, they're going to add a lot of value to us and we can add a lot of value to them from you know the you know hopefully the um you know the multiple types of drinks that we come out with and from a supplement standpoint you know what i mean for for their yeah. athletes
2: yeah, it's the, it's the start of something special. Like you said, they, you know, he's built a culture there. And, you know, like you said, he talked about um, his competitors. You know, some of them are like, oh, you know, at Alpha, they just use all the technology and gadgets. Um, but when you use that the correct way, it can elevate your performance. And he's created a culture where guys are seeking that. You know, people train there for a reason. And, you know, it's, it'll be cool to be a part of that and watch us and them grow, us together grow it'd be cool
1: absolutely yeah and it was it was really uh you know he mentioned that book and i've honestly been thinking about it all day about the book that he read about the guy and i forget his name Uh, i don't know if you remember running
2: back yes i'm blanking on it too um for speed speed and power development yeah
1: yeah but regardless like he was making his own path right like everybody was going this way and he went the other way and look at sure enough, like today we have ladders, we have bands and he was creating all this thing, all these things on his own. Um, and it just goes to show you like, kind of it, everything's up to you, like the path that you want to choose. And is, is it going to be like, you, you got to choose the tough path every single time. If you choose the easy path, there's gotta be something upstairs that says, this isn't the right one for me. You know what I mean? Like it more often than not taking the difficult route is it might not work out but it's going to make you a tougher person more resilient in the end to chase your next endeavor and to to, you know face the obstacles that are inevitably going to come your way um yeah but yeah that was that was pretty spectacular and you know like i said i'm excited to have him on again because i feel like we we were just getting started you know and and uh we talked a lot more
2: about his football career than i anticipated Yes. Um, yes and a lot like i said earlier a lot of other life lessons about about training about, you know, developing yourself. Um, so we got into a lot of things that we didn't really plan for. So there's, yeah, there's more left on the table that yeah. we'll have to discuss later on.
1: Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that, that's it for this episode. And, um, if you guys haven't been following along, uh, I'm sure you, you have, cause usually we're posting all these podcast snippets on, on Instagram and you guys are following the Instagram, but we just launched UD energy Um, one flavor right now strawberry lemonade but uh, you know it's finally here we've we've been hearing great reviews so far from a flavor standpoint especially from a performance standpoint which is what we expected because you know we've spent a lot of time actually formulating and and making sure it's a a good product for athletes overall and we feel we've done that and we're getting we've been getting great response so far great feedback Um, so you can check it out on our website www.udenergy.shop you can follow us on all social media handles at underdog underscore brand where pretty much primarily we're on instagram um, where we post pretty much all the latest updates podcast snippets uh little helpful tips and tricks um to help improve like sleep nutrition whatever it might be um and then obviously all of our clothing content and energy drink content so um thanks again for listening I, we hope you guys got some value from this from this episode i think you know um that's really why we're we're doing this you know we say it every episode but it, it can't be reiterated enough where we're really developing this podcast into something that will add value to your life in terms from a story standpoint like i'm sure a lot of people haven't heard damon's story uh from his you know from a football perspective right like to see him now he's got this gym he's a he's a performance coach but he's got a lot to add from a an athlete's standpoint and i think that's what we, we got a lot of today so uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that and we look forward to seeing you guys listening to the next episode